I started realizing it wasn't about the what we do, it's the who we work with, from the customers to the suppliers to the people we hire. And I think in everybody's business is it's going to change because the economic conditions will change. And what you might add to your services is all about who and how well they can adapt. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And I'm in the studio here with my good friend and co-host, Jim Carr. Hey, Jason. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Good. Good to hear. So today is Veterans Day. It is. So we definitely should um, speak about that just a little bit. We've got firsthand experience with veterans, right? Uh, Yeah, we do. So if you go to episode, I believe that it was... 34 and 35, I Good. think. Good. Good guess. We'll verify that okay. before the end of the episode. Yeah, so we we actually flew out to San Diego and we did a um, an interview with uh, Hernan, who's the founder of Workshops for Warriors. And we identified them as somebody very early on that we wanted to connect with and bring to the Making Chips podcast. So that was a, that was a great, one of my favorites. Super great cause. They're great people. They're doing really good things out there. And I guess, what, what did Hernan say that that particular area in San Diego, it's... It's the largest place. Place where veterans go from being in the military to being in civilian life. So just really briefly, what Workshops for Warriors does is that they train veterans in manufacturing jobs, specifically as um, CNC machinists and as welders. They actually have patented products where some veterans come out with, you know, like limbs that they don't have full control over them. Maybe they've lost a limb and they have made this machinery in order to allow them to perform right, like welding their welding jobs. equipment. They, yeah. Their welding equipment is is outfitted so that it can accommodate a handicap in a wheelchair. Yeah, so somebody can go it's, from it's a wheelchair really, to welding. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And you know, yeah. just the whole vibe there is so positive. And these young students are genuinely really want to learn this trade and get up and running and, and yeah, they love get it. out in society and make yeah. some money. Yeah, they want they want to be makers. And there's literally a waiting list to become a student at Workshop for Warriors. They just need money. Right. That's what it comes down to. So So. we're reaching out to you today to ask for your help with this cause because today is Veterans Day. and I'm going to make a donation today. Can I count on it? Yeah, I promise. I'll send you an email. I'll confirm with you. Okay, everybody. I'll make sure he does it by the end of the day. But when you get my email, you could do the same thing. (laughs) I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll match you. How's that? All right. Sounds good. So anyway, to our listeners who are listening right now, workshopsforwarriors.org. That's a .org. Go to their website, check out what they're all about, and please give. Really a worthy cause, and we really stand behind them. What's a .org, Jim? .org is a, a not a .com. It's no. an organization. That was obvious. Yes. <laughs> it's a not-for-profit. How's that? Okay, yeah. Fair enough? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Thanks, Jason. He's always trying to one-up on me. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah, test your uh, my savvy. Prowess. I know. He knows yeah. I'm old and my mind doesn't react as fast. So that's exactly what's going on. That other laughter that you hear in the background is actually our friend, our VIP 
guest Craig. So you want to introduce him? Absolutely. I'm, you know, I've been trying to get Craig on the show for, I don't know, we've only been, in, we've only been live for what, 11 months now. Right. And I've been, I've been pitching. I, I think we booked this about four months ago, but anyway, yeah, he's yeah, been elusive. I'm I thrilled to have Craig in the studio with us today. He he is a good friend of mine, and he's a very savvy business owner, businessman, and I think he's going to share a compelling business strategy that he's utilizing in his company, and, and I hope we get a lot of good feedback from it. But anyway, welcome, Craig Zobaris. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and I really want to applaud the two of you guys for what you've done. This is great. I'm all about thank trying you. to... Uh, stretch yourself beyond your capabilities and you guys have done something that all our peers in the manufacturing world are going what what are you guys doing <laughs> i know it is, exactly. it is a, so, we, we get those mixed eyes every now and then but uh once they figure it out they can get it and they, once they listen well i'm honored to be here i'm yeah, really great. excited about talking to you guys and uh hopefully there's some takeaway value for your listeners yeah, I, sure I know there will be i'm positive Anyway, let me just get into it a little bit. I'm going to tell what Craig's all about. Craig is the founder and currently the president of Fusion OEM. It's in Burridge, Illinois. It's a southwest suburb of Chicago. He is a graduate of Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. I knew that. I didn't have to read that. <laughs> uh, he got his MBA from St. Xavier University in Marketing. And Fusion is an OEM contract manufacturer for industrial OEMs. Fusion's expertise is in lean assembly of capital equipment. They also offer control panel building, CNC machining of high volume aluminum, steel, and plastic parts. They do legacy product manufacturing, new product design engineering, prototyping services, and vendor managed inventory systems. Craig founded the company in 2002 in his home. On 2009, Inc. Magazine named him one of the 500 fastest growing privately held companies in the country. He was number 363 on the list. Number one in Illinois. Did not know that, Craig. Congratulations. Had 691% growth rate in a three-year span. 2012, he was the winner of the Daily Herald Annual Award for Business Excellence. That's the AABE. And in 2013, UIC Chicago Area Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame. Most notably in 2013 and 2014 and 2015, has the Elite Award recipient of Chicago's 101 Best and Brightest Companies to Work For. Wow. 20, yeah, 20. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm wowing over the, the long list of awards and credentials. That I know. <laughs> he's, he's an amazing guy. It's, it's great to have him here with us today. He has 35,000 square feet again in Burridge, Illinois. He employs 55 employees. Again, it's a pleasure to have you here, Craig. Why don't you, before we get started with what you're here to share with our listeners, why don't you tell us, because you can probably put it into words better than I can, what does Fusion do and what are you all about? Sure, sure. Thank you. You're That's welcome. a great introduction. Well, we're a domestic private labeler of industrial OEM equipment. So what is this? Our customers are manufacturers, they're OEMs. Um, they're deciding to manufacture this on the outside rather than doing it inside in their manufacturing facility. Essentially, we're building what we call inbox solutions. So we take everything from sourcing all the parts, machining the parts, you know, sourcing sheet metal, et cetera, uh, commercial components, assembling them, putting them in a box with the instructions and closing up the box, putting the name of the 
company on that box and shipping it right into their distribution center as a complete solution. So the next person that would see it would be our customer's end user. So it's a really a full turnkey solution for our customers. We serve over 20 different clients annually from a variety of industries, packaging, beverage, quick service restaurant equipment, oil and gas, CNC controls, healthcare, graphics, printing, you name it. Uh, there's just a bunch of different industries that we we work in. Uh, it's just anybody that's looking to outsource their current manufacturing. And so we focus a little bit on legacy manufacturing, mm-hmm. which you know, a lot of people might know what that is that are listening. Why don't you give an example? Mm-hmm. I've been through Craig's sure. facility before. And when I was there, you showed us that solution that you came, they, that airbag, mm-hmm. a packaging bag. Sure. So I think our listeners can relate on that sure. level if you explain sure. how that, how you changed that legacy product and you re-engineered it. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank yeah. you for teeing that one up. Uh, so yeah, one of our customers is in the packaging industry and there's a product about the size of a microwave oven, just to get perspective. Complexity is, I don't know, medium, you know, from electronics and mechanics And what's unique about it is our customer came to us and said, hey, look, you know, we manufacture this currently right now, but we're looking to do some cost reduction. We're also trying to decrease the time to market, meaning like, for example, we go from one discrete order to another. And instead of waiting 16 weeks for 125 of their machines, they said, hey, can we get them in eight weeks? I'm like, "Okay, terrific. You know, so we, we swag at that. Um, they wanted to do a cost reduction on it. So we, we reduced the cost by about 25% in this case. They wanted the throughput to be faster, et cetera. So this product is a legacy product, meaning that the product had life before and it's right. just declining in life, but they wanted to make some improvements if they're going to keep maintaining that product line because the, their end user base is still requiring it. Is that usually because they want to move on to just more advanced product and yeah. need to free up capacity in their plant? That's exactly right, Jason. What's going on there is they, they want to free up their floor space to manufacture maybe new equipment. And so they want to have their old equipment done on the outside. Okay. And then our goal is to build a level of trust like in any business and then try to say, hey, maybe we could engineer your new products. And so we'll gain that the amount of trust with them, and then ultimately start building almost all their equipment, which we've done with some of our clients, which is terrific. Yeah, that's great. I think it's a great, when, when you showed me that in your facility, I got the connection immediately. So when I think of Fusion OEM, I think of that particular product line that you re-engineered and made better for them and, and they're happy. So I think it's a good example of what they do and how they do it well. I know, yeah. I know there's a lot more complexity to what you do and I'm sure that's middle of the road type of solution that you provide your, your customers with. Yeah. So I, I suppose that the other part of your business would be the part where a company, it's not a legacy product, it's a new product and they, they say, we want to just outsource this. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so a lot of our customers. I kind now, of was reading your mind. Yeah. That. I mean, I don't great. know too much you're about your great. business. You're doing great, yeah. Jason. <laughs> yeah. So that's exactly true. Most of our customers don't want to build their products in house. So maybe they're focused more on the sales, marketing, technical support, installations, things like that. While we really, really focus ourselves on engineering their equipment, building their equipment for them. So, and that's a monster of its own, you know, just a lot of work. So they can focus on where their expertise is and they outsource the other expertise. And the best example is on a consumer side of products like Apple, like Apple doesn't manufacture those phones, right? So there's a contract manufacturer overseas that manufactures their phones, but they do a lot of the engineering development and the research 
and development. Stateside. Stateside, yeah. right. And then they outsource it to that contract manufacturer. So a lot of our customers do like Rube Goldberg concepts and they bring them to us and say, hey, can you help commercialize this and make it producible? And so that's where our expertise comes in in product development too. So that's part of our business. But a lot of our jobs that we have come in are build to print. So they come in with their blueprints of what they want to have built and we build it right to print. I have a quick question. What sparked um, I the was idea? just going to say, no, I, seriously, <laughs> I put an asterisk next to, next to the question. I was, that was going to be my next question. Uh, so what, what sparked you to start a company saying yeah. we're going to, I assume you started with the legacy products and then you went into the new products later. Um, so what sparked that idea to say, you know, there's a business model here where I can just take control of this piece of, of my customer's equipment or right. my customer's parts. So a lot of this came with the Pareto principle, the 80, twenties. Um, so where 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your customers. So does some of the product lines that OEMs have where Mm -hmm. 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of their product line. So they have a lot of other products that are being built, but are really desired to be built still, you know, within their facility for their customer base. So back in, when I started the company, this was post 9-11, just like months after 9-11. And a lot of companies were laying off, as you guys all know. All right. It was, it wasn't pretty. Right. It wasn't pretty. And the, the biggest challenge was to maintain your credibility in the in the manufacturing world with you know OEM products they still had to maintain you know making sure the customers got what they needed and with a lot of our clients are really risk adverse so they thought hey well why don't we outsource this stuff more um, and then we don't have to build up that capital infrastructure with people and equipment and floor space and so I saw an opening in the in the um, industry where we could jump on that bandwagon and ride it up because from there, you know, a lot of manufacturers went out of business, you know, that oh, no. it was it was it was a bloodbath. Right. And we all know it was, right. you know, I don't ever want to go through that again. No, we no. don't. No. no, we don't. So we, we just wanted to ride that that opportunity out. And I didn't know how long that would last. But I could tell you, you know, even when we had the other recession back in 2008 and 2009 time period, we had a big surge in business because, again, it was our customers deciding, hey, let's outsource this rather than keep it in-house. And it was too costly for them to do it. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, it was a cost to, you know, their workers not, you know, having that work to do in-house and they had layoffs. But when they had layoffs, we had a spike in our business. So it's kind of an interesting correlation. And so we thought we were kind of like going to be the spam, you know, when things are bad, you know, you, you know, spam goes up and stakes go up when the economy is good. So we found a good, nice, nice opportunity there to, to capitalize on it. Yeah. So I I assume that, you know, the rest of us want like that, always that steady growth and you probably make most of your money with the upswings and the downswings acquiring new customers. Right. It's exactly true. You, You do. And then what happens there is you pick up momentum with those clients and then they start thinking, well, what really? else can I outsource? What, yeah. Right. What else yeah. can I outsource? They see other things that we're building for other customers. And they're like, wow, why don't we do that with you? That's what's unique about us is we're seeing opportunities, building that trust. Like all of us are, you know, anybody that's good in our industry are building trust and they just want to give you more business. That's right. And so we've been very fortunate with that. And that's where we focus. So obviously things have been going good since that time period you've been in business now over for 10 years 
and sales have been growing good. You, you've moved a few times, I think. I know you weren't 35,000 square feet uh, when I was there. Oh, maybe maybe you were. Were you in that new facility? No, no. no. We're, right. We're still working out of two locations right okay. now. Okay. Okay. Total 35, right. But obviously, and the reason you came here today is to share with us one of the significant reasons that you think attributed to all this success, which is your corporate culture with Infusion and which you've branded as your ecosystem. Is that right? Absolutely. A lot of this stuff is a, a correlation to you know many things that I think we all can relate to. Um, you know, three things I look at and just like we all do in our business, it's, you know, our customers, our suppliers and our people. And number one is our people. So let yeah, me sure. paint a picture I mean, a little bit. Yeah, on that I, I too. want you to tell the story. So, so what's interesting is we all got to get inspired to get out of bed in the morning, right? Especially as business owners and entrepreneurs. Yep. And life is way too short. One of the things that I had a revelation with is that, you know, since it's privately owned, I own it. I started the company. I'm the, the only shareholder in the company. I don't have a crazy outside PE firm or banks chasing me or anything like that. So there's no like crazy goals that I have to reach within five years or et cetera. Albeit that I really want to grow the company to keep the employees in my business excited about what we're doing. So if we're flat year to year, you know, it's not as exciting for me or for them. So we always want to be planning to go, you know, not hockey stick growth, but, you know, growth. Right. Steady growth. Although you've experienced some good years, but you want to keep it growing. You want the line to be up positive. Right. Right. Yeah. So like if there is a down year, you know, at least it it goes flat. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, maybe it might not be going north. It, it, It just doesn't go south. So going back to, you know, like the three points, customers, suppliers, and our people, you know, customers, you know, we're we're looking for customers to really appreciate who we are and understand our value. Um, We have a transparent pricing model with them uh, where they know where all our costs are for our direct costs of labor. Your employees know this too. Not only your customers, but your employees know this? They know most of that. Okay. You know, they're just not entrenched in everything there. Our leadership team, our, our, our people that are project level that understand it, know all the costs and things like that and the margins. Okay. But most importantly, our customers know what the cost of our labor is. They know what the cost of our materials are. Full open book, full transparency. We tell them what's going to cover overhead, what's going to be our profit. We finish the job. We open the books back up for them to see it, say how we did. How do we prevail here? Did we make a good profit or make less than a good profit? It just kind of makes us look like we're a small business unit of that corporation that we do business with. It's interesting that you you bring this up because I'm actually moving towards a similar business model. I don't do it with all of my customers. I don't do it with Jim, but for certain customers where we perform certain services, we are um, doing more of an open book. So we're saying, okay, we're going to start with, you know, we have to put X on the bottom line and this is our overhead. And then these are the services that we're going to be doing for you that are going to incur direct costs for us. And, you know, Mr. Customer, is this acceptable to you? And if it's acceptable, we move forward. If it's not acceptable, we have a discussion about it. So and, you get that done um, right away. Or we part ways. Yeah. Do you, are yeah. you, do you do Yo, the same thing? This is great because I'm glad you brought that up. It's, it's yeah. a good, excellent point because it's such a great thing that you, you're talking about this because we actually can see if we really want to work with this customer either. So if they don't want to see us cover our overhead or make a reasonable profit, we don't want to do business with Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Of course That's you it. Don't. They, I know. You know what's great about that is you're cutting it at the chase. You're cutting it right at the beginning. You're not dancing with each other at the beginning. You're just 
telling them what it is. And if they want to see you be profitable and run a business profitably, then it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and just in like very simplistic terms, you know, you can have a conversation around, are you going to pay, if you're going to pay me in 10 days or you pay me in net 60 days, there's a difference between those two. We don't have to have any arguments about, it's just you choose one or the other. You know, do you want to finance with me or do you want to finance with the bank? It's your choice. Exactly. This is what it costs. (laughs) That that, that brings up another topic. Not one you wanted to talk about today, but it's actually when you show the customer how the pricing model works if we use their money with prepayments or staggered payments throughout the project versus no money down. Oh, really? Nine times out of 10, they run to get their checkbook because they know they can save money by not using our money. Oh, yeah. Really? So you'll be surprised. Even though they're trying to cost cut as much as possible, you'll be surprised your customer usually has cash. And so you, you only can ask, you know, so it I also agree, and, 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 you know, business valuations and your headaches in business too all come down to cash, cash flow. flow. Cash is king, right? Yep, yep. So that's what it comes down and, to. It becomes a, a more of a partnership than you're, you're working on their behalf as opposed to working against them. So, you know, you're going to negotiate with this person in order to lower their costs as opposed to put more money on your bottom line. Because right. you say, you know, this is our net profit that we right. expect. Anything that we save beyond that, we're, right. that's, that's yours, right. you know, and we're working in partnership. One story came into play was we required 50% down on a program. It was a big program and they were agreeable. And then they came back a week later and they said, what if we gave you 70% before you shipped? That means we'll give it to you when all the materials hit your production floor for assembly. And I said, for what reason? They said, we want another discount. I'm like, Okay, let's talk. So, you know, so you you see what I'm saying? It's like, it it is truly, it's a strategy. It's a partnership and they want you to win. And if you can show that cash flowing better uh, for both parties, it makes life easier for everybody if they have more cash than you do. Obviously, you didn't come here to talk about transparency, although that that could be another podcast discussion at at a future date. Let's talk about your people and why you think that is been the overwhelming reason or one of the most overwhelming reasons why Fusion's had so much great success in the last few years. Right. So maybe about four or five years after I started, and this is like 2004, 2005, I started realizing it wasn't about the what we do, it's the who we work with, right? From the customers to the suppliers to the people we hire. And most of this really stems from a book I read at that time by Jeff Smart called who? And it kind of stated a little bit about didn't matter what you do, it's who you do it with, right? With your people. Because what's going to happen, and I think in everybody's business, is it's going to change because the economic conditions will change. Right. The industry requirements for your services and what you might add to your services is all about who and how well they can adapt. So we focus more on who we were hiring and who we were adding to the team. Going back again to that model of like, are you getting out of bed and getting excited about coming to work today or are you running an adult daycare center? And so we were really, really interested in saying, wow, let's focus on trying to make this. Was that the thing that you thought at the top of the pyramid? Was that what your initial thought was and you moved from that you you spidered off from that yeah yeah so you want to say like a lot of yeah, our, i'm a visual guy Craig. yeah yeah no no I, know, got, so yeah, I got i gotta yeah. i gotta see it no 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 yeah. it's a it's a good visual i mean i think what it is is i think it's maybe our filter okay saying you know what's important to us is that we have a great culture and we have people that are here and adaptable and flexible that can you know do whatever we are going to do for our customer at that time and it's interesting because 
we are so hyper focused on our core values and I'll get into that mm-hmm. where that has actually been the game changer for our business is core values. Right. And I might segue into that real quick here. Yeah, go ahead. And so we're finding, you know, at one time, you know, core values, okay, get a list of core values, make five, 10, bullets, 12, yeah. you know, bullets yeah. of what, you know, you guys truly believe. And so we did that years ago and it just didn't, it didn't resonate. Right. So, you know, then I, I saw somebody speak to us for an event and we learned a lot about just what core values meant and the core values going back to that filter gym is really what we came back with in everything we do. We use that core values filter on all our hiring, everything through what we do every day in our company. There's the core values hit home. You'd be surprised if in the, within the company, you didn't hear something about the core values within without a day going by. And that's been a game changer. The game changer was that you're using the core values as a filter. It wasn't the actual core values themselves. It was how you were using them. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's, he's, yeah. He's putting core values into every element right. with regard to his right. employees. Is that correct, Craig? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so, so is that is that when they really started to resonate with the company was, was how you used them? Exactly. you had them already. Yeah, we, we did, and they were wrong. Oh, they were. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love so, that. Okay. I love that you admit that. Oh yeah. my god. That, I mean, that's the that's, yeah. that's half the battle is admitting yeah. you were wrong. Yeah. Right. So, how did you come? Because I've I've gone through this process. I've got my theories and ideas on this too. So, how did you come to the wrong core values? <laughs> okay. Here's takeaway number one. Okay. All right. Takeaway number one. You got to remember. You know, we'll we'll list our core values. You, I'm sure you're going to make them like when you brainstorm or you, you know, you bring your leadership team or your, all your people in your company, whatever you feel comfortable with and create what your core values are. One of the things you got to think about, is that just the ticket of doing business today? Or is this going to resonate with our people? And what I mean by, yeah, what do you mean by just the ticket? Okay. So like the ticket of doing business today is they say, uh, our core value is to be honest. Yeah. You got to be honest, <laughs> you know, you got to, and then it says, we work, work hard. We work hard. So or, does everybody else, though. Exactly. <laughs> we just make a quality product. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right, right. Yeah. Or, yeah, quality is no longer a filter that you know you, you right. go through because everybody's got to have quality product. It's a ticket yeah. to doing business, right? Yeah. Quality yeah. is a ticket to doing business. Best prices, you know, best yeah. value. Have you, have you, okay, so have you read the book, The Advantage? Yes. Okay. So Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Lencioni. I love, love his book. So like he goes through this, that you have your, I forgot exactly what he calls those core values, but it's the ticket to doing business, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. If no one's read that book. Oh my God. Read it now. It was the number one book. I'll be going there now. Yeah. So that's good. And and glad you brought that up because I'll add something. You got to remember, like you have any core values that are like integrity, honesty, you name it. If it's the ticket of doing business, Nobody Don't cares. put it there. Nobody yeah, cares. It's, yeah. That's it's there, right? Yeah. Then you could have core values that resonate with your employees that are memorable and that you can function with it. And another idea that you can have with it too is like, if you're not there or something happens and the company operates in one fashion or another, and somebody did something to like maybe help a customer or to help a supplier or help somebody else in the company. And it wasn't within like the procedures, let's say, but they followed the core values. You can never be mad at them. You could say you did the right thing, even though maybe it cost a lot of money, but you said, Hey, look, you weren't here. Can you give an example? Oh yeah. That our listeners might understand what you mean by that. Yeah. I mean, there's occasions when we're working on a program and the customer's standing right there 
And usually like the people like that are the principals on that job are making, you know, decisions and they're like, they want to say yes to that customer. And one of our core values is showing flexibility. And, you know, they, they asked this a certain question about it. And if, if we could do this and, you know, we committed to saying, yeah, we can do that. And then, you know, one of our higher up guys in leadership said, well, why did they, you know, why did they agree to this? And, I, and then I just stood up and I said, look, you know, it's one of our core values is show flexibility. And we demonstrated flexibility by allowing this event to occur with our customer. And they're like, okay, everybody like went quiet again. That goes far with everybody. But going back to Patrick Lencioni, you could have core values that you want to attain, you know, so I can't remember exactly what he called it, but there was, you want to- I think it's, was it aspirational? Aspirational core values. Thank you. That was it. So you could have those, you can even have those written and say our aspirational core value is this, you know, like, but don't pretend like you have that core value. Exactly. If you're a very rigid company, don't say that you're flexible in order to get more business because I like to call those, those are like the eye rollers because your employees know that you're not a flexible company and you're just embarrassing yourself and you're, you're creating a culture that is not authentic. And you degraded all your core values just by saying that one right. thing. Like, so yeah, being you flexible degraded them all, company, you're right. right. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's something to strive for. It's good that you keep that separated. And one of the things that, you know, we really focus on is, you know, going back to the core values, you have to incorporate them everywhere. So in our hiring process, for example, it's in our help wanted ad, it's our job listing. It's on our online application. It's the in- core values are listed no, we have questions that lead to see if they would be people that could follow those attributes. So in the initial interview process, you have questions that relate to the core values for fusion and based if they make it or don't, they go to the next level. Yes, okay, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have questions on our job posting, like, you know, are you willing to, you know, like, you know, those leading questions and like everybody's, of course, I just need a job. Right. So they reply. Then we have an online application that speaks to our core values and they have to write a sentence or two about how they demonstrated something similar to our core values on that application. So can I give an example of this? Something that we use. So we haven't actually formalized all of our core values yet. I'm actually doing it tomorrow. Uh, another side note. But um, one of the things that's really important to us is that uh, as teammates that we're, we pay attention to details. Okay. It's because it's really important to our customers. We're a very transactional business. So we need to be able to do things quickly and not make mistakes. So one of the things that I do in the hiring process is I will ask a series of questions and I will let people know that it's important for them to answer all these questions or it's important for you to answer three out of five. Well, I'll tell you what, 90% of people don't read my cover letter for the job ad in order to answer those questions. Those people are gone. I am not going to call them. I'm not even going to read their resume because they don't pay attention to details and they're not going to be a good fit for our team because the rest of my teammates are going to be frustrated with them. Oh, absolutely. I think that's great because I know of a colleague of mine who actually sends out directions to do five things and then come back what yes you'll apply for an ad i mean it's a higher level go to the grocery store and buy some band-aids and then go to the gas station and put 15 dollars. is that what you mean no but that'd be clever right yeah um no it's actually like to fill out like some information about them and be very specific and and so and then some of it might be like go to our website and go find what our, let's say our core values are. I don't know. You know I mean? Do okay, they, something, they, I, something like that. Yeah. Something okay. that pertains to it. it. They're very clear, directed questions 
But if people come back with questions right. to that, that means they're out. If they don't want to do it, they don't want the job. They don't care. Well, they for, won't they do don't it. For, right. That, that right. won't they, be their roadblock right, right. away. Exactly. Yeah. And I know a lot of, they might lose a lot of good candidates, but hey, chances are you're probably going to get the better candidates. That Absolutely. Like I'm like one of the questions that I had is I'll ask them to attach their resume to the email. A lot of the people will copy, oh, and, like paste. copy and paste it right. Well, that's not what I asked for. And you're not paying attention to the right. details that we yeah, require. Right. Yeah. Especially when you're detail oriented. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's very important. This has been part one in a two part interview with Craig Zoberis from Fusion OEM. Tune in next time to hear part two on the next episode of Making Chips. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Refocusing back to sorry, what Jim. You were gonna, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I, that's my job. Refocus, refocus. No. <laughs>